Good morning and welcome to Open Source Workplace Interview Series. I'm here this morning. Uh, I'm in New York at 5 a.m. I have Toby Muramaris in London, uh, a design specialist. And obviously part of this interview series, what we want to try and do is bring uh, expert service providers who are on Open Source Workplace to you and allow you to interview and see and meet and greet them and uh, learn a little bit about, a little bit about them. Uh, and uh, this morning, as I said, we're, we're joined in London for, with uh, Toby uh, Muramara. So, uh, so Toby, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, hi, Steve. Um, thanks for inviting me on the, the series. Uh, my name's Toby. Um, I work in London um, for a design and build organisation. So we create workplaces for uh, organisations across the UK, um, from companies with 10 employees to companies with 500. And I guess my key role um, in the industry is essentially to work with the clients to deliver offices for their in, uh, employees and make them, um, you know, last the, the tenure of the lease for the clients and sort of bring about all the organizational changes which the company wants. Uh, some clients are easy, some clients are hard. I think the journey which I experience with clients is to help them through that process, um, always working within the budget they have, but I think, uh, you know, the employees are always at the heart of all decisions. So. Um, yeah, it's a fun job, very challenging, uh, long hours, but uh, no, I really enjoy it. Good, good. No, 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 no. I've had the pleasure of sort of interacting with you over the last six months and uh, you and the team, it's, it, it's fun. It's a great experience. It's always, always great to talk to you, learn a lot and uh, yeah, very engaging. So obviously what I find interesting about when we started chatting was, you know, this is, you didn't start this year uh, career um, with design in mind and I was very intrigued about how you got to where you are as one of you want to quickly give the audience a sort of quick overview of, of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, that no, was a strange one. I, I didn't um, leave university with aspirations to move into office design, um, but I'm glad I did. Essentially, I started off um, working for ExxonMobil uh, in London in their gas trading division. Um, fortunate, fantastic company, spent seven great years there, um, traveling the world on all different assignments, but um, came to a point when I turned 30 and realized I want a bit more and, um, I think it was more personality, I, I, more creative, lots of energy. Um, and I found being stuck behind a desk for sort of 10, 11 hours a day wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my career. So now I took the chance to join a friend's startup in office design. ExxonMobil were fantastic and they offered me a, a back door if things didn't work out for a period of 12 months. And um, so I had a bit of comfort there, but I never, never really looked back. And I think the, the beauty with design and build and office design in general is it's really how hard you work the network you build and how you work with clients, um, you know, the world's your oyster. And I think I'm um, fortunate now to work at AIS Workplace, which is one of the leading companies in the UK within the sector. Um, but I feel I'm in a place now where it, it suits my personality. Um, I love meeting new clients. I love working with big teams across the UK. Um, and every day is different. And I think that's really important for people to remember. When you're looking at your career and if you're not happy, if you're bored, and you've got the opportunity to take a risk, um, take your time to make it. But, uh, you know, I think when you look back at 65, you're going to rue the decisions you don't make um, versus the ones you do make. Uh, and I've been fortunate it's worked. But, um, yeah, it's a great sector to be in. No, it's great. And that, that point you make about, you know, if you're not happy, try and do something different. And, uh, you know, obviously what I'm trying to do here at Open Source is not that I'm unhappy in what I do. I love what I do every day. You know, I'm very fortunate with that, like yourself. But uh, obviously I have aspirations to sort of produce and do this thing with Open Source. So, uh, yeah. And again, like, thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, I always find it really fascinating from a finance background. You, you as a 
saturator or whatever, however you wanted to sort of phrase it, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I think, um, I don't know about you, is there similarities in the role personality-wise from what you did with uh, Exxon to what you do today that actually surprise you of your personality and how the traits come through and why you think you're successful and worse of successful at both? I think, I think yes. I think um, in the role I do today, you need to be, you need to listen. It's really important. I think um, every client we work with is different. Um, last year, I was fortunate enough to work with sort of 30, 30 clients, 30 different projects. Everyone's completely different from banking, from legal, uh, from marketing, advertising. Everyone's different. I think the common thread is there's a move or there's an opportunity to change what they do for their staff. And I think the transferable skills are um, an appetite to learn every day, um, work hard. But I think also the key thing which I found, which I guess is a broad synergy on the experience I had at Exxon to, to where I am today is essentially can you work with people and do you like collaborating? Um, it's a keen discussion in office design and companies across the world in terms of how you can improve collaboration. But in my role, I've got 15 people I work with every single day in our team from designers, project managers, guys who cost jobs, workplace consultants, strategists, and you bring them all together in different ways to suit every independent client. And I think the grounding Exxon Mobile, and Exxon could be any established business, but the grounding and training you get in terms of how you market yourself, I think has stayed with me. Um, but equally, it's the ability to sort of work in different ways. And in office design, you're a bit of a chameleon where, you know, you could be working with an advertising agency one day where they want beanbags in meeting rooms and swings to working with a leading law firm where it's all about acoustics and privacy. Um, so you need to be interchangeable in how you sort of sell yourself to clients. Um, but no, yeah, it's a case of, doing what you're good at and learning every day. So with those diverse uh, requirements that clients come to you with, right? What, what are the key questions that they can ask you so that they get a better answer and response? Because obviously, you know, a lot of people who watch this are those that who actually sit in those rooms and, uh, you know, one side of the table or not. But what, what's, the, what's the key question that you think that a client should ask uh, someone like yourself to to really see through what you can do and what you are unable to do. Yeah, I think I think key questions I um, happy when clients ask if they have an understanding of timing on their side. So if there's a project coming up or a requirement need to fulfill, what's the timings? When do they need to make decisions by? Um, I find I'm very surprised every day how much time clients allow. Normally it's not enough, and it's normally a reaction at the end when everything goes into a rush. The best clients are prepared. So get an understanding from me and say, Toby, this is our requirement. This is how much time we have. What should I be thinking of now? Um, budget's the key one. So um, in our sector, you can design an office with any budget you have. Have a, have a clear understanding of what you want to spend. Really important. Um, and it's not for companies like ours to spend every penny of that budget, but essentially to let you know what you can expect to have and set a realistic expectation for you as a client. I think in case of the market uh, and, th and this sort of forum, it's, who in the other aspects of the sector can help the client at that point. So whether it's commercial agents, project managers, workplace consultants, law firms, you know, I can advise you to speak with relevant people in different areas to help you at this journey. I always say ask as many questions as you can, because it's free. Um, learn as much as you can. Um, but also for every client, having internal teams set up early. So the key stakeholder teams for any client, if that's established early, everyone has a role decisions are made a lot quicker and you don't re um, sort of redo conversations you've had months before. So planning's key, get the finances approved, 
and then work with suppliers who you can trust early. And the process then is really easy. The products which go, um, the products which are less successful are when clients sort of make no decisions up front and then it's a bit more reactive all the way through. Um, and there's normally overspend, um, and a bit more confused in that respect. So use the time when you've got it and, and work backwards. What, what do you think is the optimal time for that team to be established? Say from when they, they want to go live, what, where do you think you see that success? Is there, is there like a, a line you were drawing the sand and go beyond this point, actually you, you run a risk. What, what do you think is the optimal time for the optimal result that that client wants? Yeah, I think if I, if I use a, an average client of ours, an average client of us would be around 100 people. So that'd be 10,000 square foot, 1,000 square meters, that sort of size. Um, so that client is established. They've obviously been going a number of years. They're, they're good in their sector and they're probably growing. Um, so for those clients, they normally plan a year ahead. So they will look ahead to their lease expiry in their current property, work backwards from a year. That's the time when they should be sitting down to have the first conversations because Finding an office can take anything from a week to three months. It really depends on how lucky you get and how you can negotiate with it, any landlord you deal with. So let's plan for two or three months finding the property. You then want to sort of meet a few people in the market who can help you along the journey, whether it's design and build, external project managers. That process also takes around two months. The physical build of a, a 10,000 square foot property is gonna take you anywhere between eight and 12 weeks. So you can quickly see how the year from January to December can squeeze so a year would be optimal. I think as you start going up to the big corporations, so two to 500 people, minimum 18 months, because it's the finding the property is so important because you can spend the next 10 or 20 years in that building. And if you get that wrong, all the other decisions um, have to suit and, and squeeze into that, that facility. So two years if you're over 200 people, 18 months. Um, but no, we deal with companies of 20 people and they can move in in three months. So. Um, the bigger you are, the longer you should plan. No, that's great context. There really is. Uh, and sort of a follow-up to that. So do you find clients benefit whenever they engage with yourself uh, during their lease search uh, and take you along on that journey? Do, do you find you get a better result? You're able to guide your client better? I think so. I think clients will always partner with a company in the initial sort of scoping and selection exercise. Whether that company goes on to work with them at the end is something to be discussed at that point. But I think partnering with a professional company to help them, and we call it test fit. So if you're looking at three buildings, we normally will take your requirements and we'll design it in each building. Um, we'll show you how efficient the planning can be based on the building makeup, the facilities, the welfare, um, and everything like that. And really we'll show you as a client how hard you can use the real estate for your needs. Um, and we'll hopefully give you a, the opportunity to shortlist down from maybe five buildings to two. Um, we then also can overlay costs of how much you would expect to, to cost to fit out each property based on your requirements. And hopefully then at least you can make an informed decision when you decide internally of what's good best for you is you can say, well, actually guys, it's the same building, it's the same rent, but this building actually works a lot better for us because we're a tech business and we're all about giving the staff the natural windows and giving them light. That's important to us. Or you could say, well, actually this building has facilities which we could benefit because it's in the financial district and that's where we need to be because our clients are there. So we try and give as much information as we can. Um, we try and help your due diligence process, but essentially client always rules the day. Um, but I think as much information as you can have, it's only going to benefit you. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, totally, totally, it's good advice. And, and obviously you talked about the different buildings in London. 
Um, having been in London recently and toured a number of the buildings, I have to say, I'm, I was blown away when I saw the product that is coming online. Um, you know, I did a search 18, uh, 18 months ago, probably not, uh, in New York. So we were looking at the modern buildings and new buildings that are going up in New York City. Shortly thereafter, I went and I had a look at buildings in San Francisco. And then I went to London and London's fantastic, man. The, the infrastructure, the buildings, the quality, um, the almost they're almost building these ecosystems within their buildings and infrastructure. It's it's phenomenal. So what's it like to work in those buildings? What have you seen the key benefits when it comes to design, benefits to clients as opposed to sort of going into one of these newer buildings as opposed to one of the I want to say legacy buildings, just the old yeah. structure that's sort of in London. From a design perspective, what what sort of one from you perspective do you find one is a benefit, but also two is a benefit to a client in, in the way one one they choose? No, you're right. I think um, London reminds me of Dubai about ten years ago. Um, you can't move for a crane at the moment. I think the good thing about London in the last three years is huge development um, in areas in the city. Um, specifically, you've got what was a skyline ten years ago. We now have lots of fantastic buildings like the Shard um, and marquee sort of skyscrapers. But I think the good news with those buildings is the footprint they occupy within the city is so small for the square footage they can build up. Um, you know, some of these buildings are 55 floors, each floor plate being around 25, 35,000 square feet. So it's a really highly dense density space to be able to occupy for clients. I think the main benefit with today's buildings, and whether it's in London or globally, I think it's lots of things around the lighting. So the movement in the last five, 10 years to LED lighting has really helped lift the lux levels that staff benefit from it at desk level. So you're going from what was 200 lux at a desk, desk to sort of three to 500. So the feeling of being outside and being in natural light, we can mimic it and, um, you know, get it into the design where staff feel like they're, they're outside and in, and that helps energy motivation. It helps people at four in the afternoon not feel tired. So, Lighting's greatly improved, and that's the sort of base requirement now in any building. So LED lighting's the one, the one which has really helped move. Um, and in the mechanical, so in the air conditioning and ventilation, the base infrastructure going into these buildings now is a step above what it was 10 years ago. So in terms of ventilation rates into the office, it's hugely improved. So again, you're not having to sort of breathe in yesterday's air and share it amongst your uh, colleagues. It's, um, it's a lot more efficient, and I think it really helps the well-being of staff. So if you think about... Um, coming into work and wanting to feel energized the new properties are offering you that and I think from a design point of view where we sit most floor plates now are open plan so you haven't got um, fixed walls that you do in the legacy buildings in London there's a huge amount of property in the square mile which is gorgeous buildings a lot of them over 200 years old and, and it's difficult with planning and, and the government have lots of regulations of what you can and can't do um, but the new buildings the key benefits they're also um, the developers are also putting in facilities within the buildings like gyms, restaurants, um, business suites, meeting room lounges. So tenants can take their space, but also when they need to use other facilities, they don't have to be walking across town. Their staff can benefit just by going up and down the escalators. And, um, you know, it's good for, good for the companies because their staff stay on site even when they're working out. Yeah, no, it is good. It is good. And we could go into all those different benefits and the amenities that they're providing and the different things. But uh, as I said, I, I, I was I was blown away and, and I loved it. I, re I really, really did. And I can't wait to see a lot of the final products yeah. uh, in, in, in a few years. But uh, you're absolutely right. You, I, I remember just walking around. It's just crane, 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 you know. And, uh, 
if you go on um, go on Google and type in the White Collar Factory, um, this is an old street. They've even got a running track on the top floor, open air running track, um, and staff will be using it daily to go and sort of get get five k in at lunchtime. And it's it's unique. Why not? No, it is. And um, I mean, I lived in London for six years. I left London in 2006 and the congestion charge was just coming in basically where, you know, no traffic came into central London. And you're kind of like, well, that's well, that's that's going to be a challenge for individuals. But then whenever I go back 10 years later and you see the amount of people running, cycling out and about in the city and yeah. because of that, you know, and then the government obviously brought in the uh you know, buy a bike or a contribution towards a bike. So everyone got bikes yeah. um, and uh, you see the amount of people out and about. It's fantastic. I, I love, I love the vibe in, in the city. I really did. So if I had to put your hand on the fire, what's your favorite building? If, if you don't feel you you can say that because of, your, <laughs> because of, uh, of, of uh, you know, your, your, what you do and you interact with all these different landlords, you can decline if you want, but if you, if you had a favorite, which, what would you say? Uh, you just said architecturally. I get asked this question daily. Um, Hands down for me, number one building in in the world for me is St. Paul's Cathedral. Luckily, no companies can move in there, um, but we're fortunate enough to be based in St. Paul's, so daily I walk past um, St. Paul's. You know, it's been built over 300 years and it still looks fantastic today. Um, and on a sunny day, you can sit in the square and um, have a drink in one of the local establishments, and it's a fantastic building and it still looks great. Survived a couple of world wars. Um, yeah, still going strong, and there's always about a million tourists outside every day that you have to sort of swerve around. But um, it's a great building to look at every day. Well, well done in swerving that question, mate. Well done, well done. Shows your tenacity, right, and your ability to be agile. I love it. Um, so, I mean, obviously, we talked about the sort of clients that you've represented when you're buildings and so on and so forth, and what you've actually done as an organisation. You personally, what personally to you has been the project that's sort of given you, uh, fulfilled you the most? Uh, excitement joy pleasure in supporting more i think there's, there's there's a few projects i've worked on over the years um some are fantastic some have been award winners there's, there's one project where um as a business and as a person we've learned the most and if you were to ask any anyone in our business which project are we most proud of um is for a job we did last year for arthritis research um so they're a leading charity uh, in the sort of sector looking at sort of you know, people with arthritis and who are less mobile than others. And um, we were approached a year ago to sort of tender for their project. Um, so we're up against the big guys and normally it's best price, best design wins. We decided our approach would be something completely different. So our approach was all around the staff. So what we thought about when we were designing the space was who would be using the space, number one. So in terms of the staff and the visitors, um, it's, it's very much different from any other company we've worked with. Um, the output from it in terms of how we took the design from concept through to completion um, we did it all around accessibility so what we wanted was anyone who would come into the space would be able to navigate around the space in their own way so we designed it for the visually impaired so we put in low level LED lighting track lighting so people could look down and, and know where to go um, we ensured all surfaces within the building were non-reflective so there's no white surfaces in the office uh, apart from a few um, to essentially stop glare back into people's eyes. Um, we put hearing loops in for people with uh, impairments to hearing. Um, we put in more acoustic baffling in this office than you've ever seen. But again, it was to stop the reverberation of noise, which was giving or would give these people discomfort in the office. Um, and then people with sort of mobility concerns, we put in a special flooring, so a woven vinyl floor, um, which was the only product which is anti-static for wheelchairs. 
again thinking around the flooring we could put in a thousand different types of flooring but to think through it properly was who would be using the space um, and the furniture solution is the most varied out of any office we've done so we've got a huge proportion of sit-stand desking which is a big investment for arthritis research but they saw it as a key thing they needed to put in to ensure that anyone can work in a different setting anytime and then meeting chairs agile working stations it was a huge variety of products to basically suit everyone um, and inclusivity and accessibility was arthritis research's sort of number one objective um, we were shortlisted uh, for best office design uh, last year came third um, a good third because we we're up against some stiff competition but it was more of the learnings and whenever we take clients around an office um, whenever they go around arthritis research's office they always come out and they take some nuggets away for their own office and even if it's the wellness and the employee centric sort of notion of the design is where most clients take away um, but for me personally yeah it's fantastic it was probably the nicest client you could ever work with um, and if you want to go to an office at any time of the day and it's immaculate that's the office so they're very house proud of it um, and even 18 months later they sort of treat it like a show home but it's um it's because the staff love working there that's great that's great and, and sort of what lessons has it changed your approach um to how you service other clients on the back of what you did uh, for arthritis research uh, in your approach in your delivery or how you even you know advise clients i think i think it has definitely i think that the key thing that we've learned is you can't get everything right first time so it was a journey for us as a business as well. And what we did when we, when we were appointed by Arthritis Research, we saw it as more of a, a client journey where a client's more for life than just for a one-off sort of transaction. So um, even our design at the time we thought was fantastic. When people move into the space and use the space, we strongly realized that the acoustics in certain areas wasn't as good as we thought it would be. So it was about addressing that sort of post-completion. Um, so in terms of our learning, it's to say, guys, before you move into the space and start moving and lifting and working in different rooms, we don't know how it's going to react. So it was more of a sort of the phase two, day two type activities where um, the design wasn't finished when we, when we finished the original job. It sort of carried through to the first sort of three or four months. And now um, we think it's a fantastic complete office, but it's the same when you complete a job, it's to sort of stay close to the client to make sure it works for them in the first three months. I think that's a good road testing period. Um, and it's just addressing and fine-tuning and that's a key learning for us is you need to be close to the client even when you have finished to make sure that if there's any issues that you can rectify you do it quickly that's great that's great um, so so Toby I, I, you know we're, we're sort of running out of time here is there anything else that you want to you want to share or you want the audience to be aware of of you uh, and what, what, what you're capable of I think um, yeah good question I think yeah, it's a bit uh, on the spot I think um, my advice to anyone watching would be if you're looking at a project, whether you're decision maker or whether you're just interested, I think workplace design, um, whether it's for a move or for a minor refurbishment, I think Google is your friend, um, Pinterest. I think what really helps us and me as a person, if, if a client has a slight understanding or idea of what they're after, spend time researching. Um, lots of fantastic companies have spent millions of pounds doing lots of projects and lots of research papers. Do some homework in the early days and I think where I can assist it would be to be a sounding board so the people that I know in the industry um, the advice I can give is for free guys this whole forum is to sort of help everyone and I think whether it's to give you ideas of budget so if you had an idea of what you would look to achieve I can give you an idea of what it would cost and it wouldn't be for me saying it it'd be a market rate or what the market would, would sort of look, look to charge 
um, London, if it's specifically in the London market of, of moving offices, well, I could put you in touch with thousands of people. I can even send you market reports and give you an idea of how Mayfair is fantastic, but it's twice the price of the city. Um, but yeah, it's a case of sharing information. And, um, you know, when I started out, I'd fortunate enough to have a few people who really gave me a stepping stone. And um, yeah, I'd like to sort of share back and help as much as I can. So actually another question just popped into my head. So I know I was going to let you go there, but uh, as quickly as we can, Brexit, um, what, what impact have you seen in the real estate industry and the construction and what you're doing? Do you see concern? Do you see worries? We did. Um, we do. We do. I suppose Brexit is obviously for most people in London and, and the UK now, it's a topic which you just don't want to hear any more about. You can't move in the street without someone mentioning Brexit. I wish I trademarked it 10 years ago. Um, what are the challenges that we found? I think firstly, clients are um, or have been cautious over the last 12 months. So big corporates with big moves coming up. The market found a big slow or pause in terms of decision making. So normally in our sector, there's constant churn, constant equal numbers of big corporates moving. And I think they decided to pause beginning of last year to sort of see where things would turn out. Um, where we are today, near the end of March, we're in the same position. Um, so companies have, guys, we've got to get on with it. We've got to move and make decisions. Um, but for us and for how I've sort of felt it, I think over the last sort of six months, clients are asking the question more when it comes to the contract. So guys, AIS or whoever you partner with, what are the risks that we need to be thinking about? And, and for us, it would be suppliers. So if you're looking at Italian furniture manufacturers and your project starts in September, 2019, can we guarantee that's going to turn up on time at the same price? Um, yeah and would you put your name to it and sign off on that so it's a case of for us we're looking more at uk suppliers for the time being um, we're advising clients to sort of stay within what we know we can deliver for the price we commit to um but no all the all the liability around what happens outside of europe is um is gentle steps but i think um, how we and i position that is to say well let's try and de-risk ourselves today for the next six months and use more uk-based manufacturers and suppliers and then if things work out for the best it's back to business as usual. But um, personally, there hasn't been much change. People still move. Um, people will still move into the best buildings and they still want the best of their staff. Um, and whatever happens with Brexit, I think we're going to deal with when we know more. No, it's great. It's a great answer, Toby. So look, I want to thank you, uh, Toby, for giving us your time uh, this morning. Um, I want to appreciate your insights. And uh, as I said, I've got to know you over the last six months. And, uh, you know, you and your team, you're a fun group. I won't talk about your soccer team or football team, but that's, <laughs> that's, a, different, that's a different conversation. But uh, no, no, thank you. And, and for anyone who's watching, check out the link below. Uh, we'll have a link to Toby's um, open source workplace uh, profile page there you'll be able to connect with him through a phone email or a website or there's a little quote button you can send him a little quote and uh, and, and see, see see what his pricing is for for your type of work but uh, but in essence you know and if you've used toby before you know rate review him uh, and give your give your honest feedback so that other members of open source workplace can actually uh, truly see what what toby is uh, so again look thank you and uh, we'll uh, we'll speak to you again soon take care Thanks. Yeah. Bye.